welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs lost three of four to the Diamondbacks home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I read about Ferguson Jenkins getting a statue and not the baseball that happened that day because the baseball that happened that day was not fun and more at Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. Danny, how's it going? Oh, not great. <laughs> yeah, we're having a whole slew of not great over here. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, not not great. I I got bit by the uh, the old vid. The vid came to town. It's like it's it seems like it's everywhere right now. So be careful out there. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, it's kind of under the weather today. I was supposed to have a really fun weekend as I was promoting on the last show we did together to come see the Bleacher Bum Band, and uh, that all got canceled. Couldn't go to the Fergie statue thing. Couldn't hang out with my friends all weekend at Wrigley Field. And uh, maybe that's a good thing because we lost three or four games. And <laughs> no, I I missed the whole thing and um, just kind of on the on the mend here. But uh, the the Cubs. <laughs> they're they're not on the mend they're on the road now so they've been better on the road this season so maybe yeah. maybe that'll maybe that'll work out I mean I I was sorry to hear that you uh have COVID I definitely just went through that and it was not fun take care yeah. of yourselves out there people might be worth wearing a mask every now and again I've started wearing masks again when I go inside places just because I mean, even though I just had it, I sort of feel like it, we're back to mask numbers, but um, obviously that's not a mandate or anything. It's just what I'm choosing to do. Uh, yeah, so Danny's been sick. Uh, I've been a little under the weather, too. We lost three of four to Arizona, and then uh, I woke up this morning to Twitter with a Paul Sullivan think piece about how Jed Hoyer has some breathing room now that fans are not outraged. And I just want to be real clear about one thing here. The only reason we're not outraged is because we're apathetic and we don't trust this ownership or front office to do anything to fix it. Like we've all just given up, right? Like I, I don't know, Danny, did you happen to see this trip piece about how Jed Hoyer has some breathing room and the fans are appreciative or something? Oh, now? Uh, yeah, I, I did see it. And I, I really enjoyed all of our friends reactions from all the different Cubs blogs and, and the other uh, writers that we know. And we pretty much all universally were like, what? Because, <laughs> and, and it is, it's apathy. It, apathy is as good as it would get, but I think more of it is that, you know, we've digested Blue Friday. Everybody looks down and sees the prospects and are like, great. Seems like we got some uh, real promise and hope. There's no guarantees with any of these guys. You never know what's going to happen. But is it going well down in South Bend? Is it going good in Myrtle Beach? Is it going fine in Iowa? Absolutely. So, yeah, let's have hope with it at the, at the same time as maybe being critical of not necessarily that they didn't sign any of the Blue Friday guys and get them back. Maybe that was the right move. I don't know. But the fact that they didn't take all the savings from the money from the Blue Friday guys and put it anywhere else to still have a top payroll in the major leagues. We can be very excited about the prospects we have and at the same time be disappointed that the team on the field this year is uncompetitive. And those They're are not competitive, for sure. Yeah. And those are not mutually exclusive ideas. You can be excited for the future and be like, why didn't you sign at least a few more guys to make this a possibility and uh, this year and at least compete? And they didn't. And I and that to me is sad. There's, every season is sacred. 
it's not fair to charge $80 for a bleacher ticket and lose three or four to Arizona consistently. You know, like cons- the Pirates. We we beat them two or three this week, but hey, we lost to them too, three or four. So I don't, you know, it's just like I could go through all the things. I mean, I'm excited for the future, but I don't, I don't live in Myrtle, Myrtle Beach. I live a mile north of Wrigley. So come on, man. You know, I want, I, I think it's unfair for him to be, to let the ownership off the hook and it's Paul Sullivan. So I'm not a big fan of him. I think he's oftentimes been maybe a, a little bit more of a mouthpiece for ownership and a shill than some of the other writers have been who are both respected news people with access, but don't necessarily Brown knows their way to it all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I find that frustrating. And I think that article and Mr. Sullivan are getting their just desserts with how people are reacting to it on Twitter. I don't think we should let ownership off the hook. I certainly haven't. And I will continue to be critical of their moves. Not necessarily that they should have signed the Blue Friday guys, but that they should have signed somebody that is totally. better than what we have on the field right now. 100%. And and I think that that was well said. I mean, just to put it put all of this in perspective, the Cubs have a 16 and 24 record that is right around the quarter mark of the season, right? Like you're looking at 40 games in, you're kind of assessing where you're at. This team is flirting with a 100 last season. Like I don't know exactly why I should be super excited for a team that is hovering right around will they lose 96 games? Will they lose 102? I don't know. Got to come to Wrigley and pay for the most expensive <laughs> fan experience in baseball to find out. Like the fact that I can get excited about Caleb Killian or I can recognize that yes, Brennan Davis is probably going to come up in a year or two and make an impact does not mean that I have to be thrilled about the fact that the Cubs have not put together a team that is particularly fun to watch. I I don't know, man. Like I I watch all the games and like, yes, Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel going back to back on back to back days with home runs was fun and interesting. And also Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel are not how you build a winning baseball team. So like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that that's the case, but it it is what it is. And I, that piece just kind of got my, got me laughing a little bit this morning. And I agree with you. It was nice to see the ratio on it. Nice to see all of our Cubs fans, friends being like, what? No, this is called apathy. And when you have 25 to 30% of the seats open every single game at Wrigley field, whether you sold those tickets or not, like you might've sold some of those tickets and they count them in the like attendance calculator where they're like, there were 32,000 people here. I'm like, there were absolutely not 32,000 people at this game. I'm sitting at this game. I've been looking at the crowd the whole time. There were not 32,000 people here. Stop messing with me. Anyway, let's talk about the games that are being played at Wrigley Field and why fans are either outraged or apathetic, one of the two. Uh, The Cubs dropped three of four to the Diamondbacks. The first game, Marcus Drummond against Zach Gallen. Ken Schultz, friend of the show, and I were hanging out at this game. We had great seats in the 200s right behind home plate. And so we had a really good view of the pitches and the movement and all the things that were going on here. And it was kind of interesting because both Gallon and Stroman kind of had this like really great game with the exception of one inning. The problem was that in Stroman's inning, he gave up three runs and in Gallon's inning, he only gave up one. And that was how the Cubs lost this game. Yeah. Well, and we beat Zach Gallon barely last time. And it was, that was the uh, Gomes game. 
And he basically single-handedly won that game. I, I believe that was the Gomes game. It um, was the Gomes yeah. game. And interestingly, Gomes is the only person with an RBI against Zach Allen again. <laughs> he just, he owns him. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, the, the bats didn't show up, but th- you also have to tip your cat cap to Gallon in this one. Um, uh, Dalton Varsho for the uh, Diamondbacks seems like a really exciting hitter as well. Um, it, it well, and just being a catcher, he's such a young catcher. So I'm, I'm not going to compare him to Wilson or anything like that. But it, it he seems like he's got it going on back there. And also, his dad was an ex-Cub. So it just got – I remember watching Gary Varsho when I was a kid. But, yeah, the fourth inning, it's when all the magic happened. Cubs only get uh, four hits. Um, you know, they are kicking it around again in this game. I, f- I feel like Suzuki had a weird throw um, that uh, it, it kind of – is that the one where that sailed on him or was this offline and it allowed the, uh, the run to, did the run score on that one? Um, I can't remember how now we're talking about, Oh yeah, it must've because only two earned runs of the three were pinned on Stroman. So yeah, there was a weird, there was a weird throw here. Yeah, it was, yes. I don't have my scorecard in front of me to remember if that's the exact score though. Yeah. Suzuki had an error. And so, I mean, and that'll happen in the game, but, but, uh, it's we've been p- complaining about the defense, and if your bats aren't going to show up, and you're going to allow runs to score because of an error, then uh, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have some trouble. If you're you've got to make up for that with your offense, and they couldn't do it. And it was what a boring game, and it was up, it was over really fast. And <laughs> I don't know, it was just this was like a non-game to me. It was it was it was like one of those games where you you fall asleep for a nap in the fourth inning and then it goes really fast and all of a sudden it's the top of the ninth and the score is the same and you're like oh I didn't miss anything <laughs> like that's kind of how this game felt to me like I could have left for an hour come back and I'm still in the same game and it's nothing is happening still yeah it was kind of, I mean I would have loved it if the Cubs had come back to win you're absolutely you're right by the way I just looked at baseball reference it was say as throw that kind of sailed ironically the Diamondbacks had two errors in this game, but the Cubs just didn't capitalize on them. Anyway, it was one of those games. The Cubs lost it. Uh, the second game was Ferguson Jenkins statue dedication day of Wrigley Field. And before we talk about the baseball on the field, which was not good, I do want to talk about the statue dedication, which was good. Uh, the Cubs did a really nice job with this. They had almost all of the Cubs living Hall of Famers there. I didn't see Mad- Maddox there, but pretty much everybody else. Andre Dawson was there. Lee Smith was there. Ryan Sandberg was there you had billy williams on the dais doing some of the emceeing with pat hughes real nice introduction for fergie cc sabathia and adam jones were both there there was an awesome interview that taylor mcgregor had with cc sabathia where he talked about how fergie was one of the people that taught him how to carry himself and how to deal with the mental part of the game um as he was coming up and how grateful he was to fergie for that i thought that that just showed a lot of respect and was awesome Great way to honor Ferguson Jenkins with the statue. Statue row looks great. It is better than I even anticipated the way those four giants tower there in bronze overlooking Gallagher way. Every game this weekend, you could see people taking pictures with old Cubs heroes and really like reveling in the history of the ballpark and reveling in the history of the Cubs there. So all of that was awesome. All of that was excellent. And the baseball on the field was not. Kyle Hendricks did not look like Ferguson Jenkins on this particular day. He gave up four home runs. Yikes. Uh, 
the Cubs gave up seven home runs overall. Literally every Cubs pitcher gave up a home run in this game, which is not what you want to see. They also hit four home runs, but it didn't matter because they didn't have as many base runners on when they happened and the Diamondbacks won the slugfest. And can we just talk about the fact Josh Rojas has three home runs this season. He hit all of them on Saturday or on Friday against the Chicago Cubs in one game. Yeah, he's he's gonna go down as one of those no name cub killers, you know, one of those guys like Aristides Aquino who just got sent down from the Reds. But he, but his thank probably, God oh, we're playing the Reds next. I know. Well, yeah, thank God he gets sent down. Except for that, he's terrible. He was batting under a hundred. But yeah, I bet you when the Cubs come to town, all of a sudden Aristides Aquino is licking his chops, like, oh, let's get the, let's get another three homer game in me. Um, yeah, there's always these no-name guys that, uh, like Josh Rojas or Aristides Aquino, who are just who like strike fear in the hearts of Cub fans for for really no reason other than that they uh, kill us on the right. Scooter Jeanette, like somebody like him, like no pop, you know, but he just manages to kill us. The Cardinals always have a guy like that. Um, who is the one short like Paul DeJong? I mean, I guess he's pretty good, but he also got set down. Uh, see. And then these guys, I'm like, oh, he's really good. <laughs> he's going to kill us. And then I look at his batting average. I'm like, oh, wait, he's only batting 182. Why am I scared of this guy? And then he comes to town and I remember why. And so, yeah, Josh Rojas will forever go down as one of those guys. I mean, I don't know. He might only play this year. I don't know. Is he even a prospect? I never even heard of him before Friday. Josh Rojas, I think he's kind of like a backup utility infielder guy. Of course. Um, of course he is. <laughs> let me just double check this really fast. You're you're making me look at the Diamondbacks roster, and I really frankly well, was about to forget about the Diamondbacks roster for the entire rest of the season. There's probably five or six Josh Rojas is more famous than this Josh Rojas. <laughs> no, Josh. So he is their starting. They list him as the – Fangrass lists him as the starting third – baseman he does appear to be projected to get like real uh eh, no he's projected for part-time-ish playing time about 400 plate appearances yeah over the course of a season i mean i look josh rojas is not scaring anybody but he had himself a day at wrigley field the other person who did who had himself a day at wrigley field was the umpire who was calling quite the zone in this game go back and check it up on umpire's auditor and and Wilson Contreras got himself ejected for pointing this out uh with and this was actually kind of unfortunate there were runners on and Willie got called out on strikes and uh, took his bat and like drew where the strike zone was (laughs) around the plate which the umpire didn't appreciate and so the (laughs) umpire kicked him out but honestly if you're gonna get booted that's kind of the way to do it. And the best part of this is, you know, like Wilson takes his bat and he starts drawing the strike zone and the umpire boots him. And then Wilson argues a little bit, but then before he leaves the field, he goes back and draws the entirety of the strike zone around home plate because he was going to get his money's worth. And he wanted to make sure that the umpire knew the strike zone before he left. Oh yeah. That, that was, uh, I mean, that, that, that showed a lot of nerve, but I did enjoy it because it was all day. And I feel like, Wilson's sitting there as a catcher because this is the game that Kyle gave up four home runs in. Why yeah. did Kyle give up four home runs? Because he didn't get any calls. Like, the whole game. He he got no calls. This ump was horrible. Ryan Adetan. Remember that name because you're going to be hearing a lot because he's awful at umpiring. And like you only remember <laughs> the names of umpires who are bad. So this guy, I'm looking at it right now. 
and 85% called strike accuracy. So that was awful. 85%. So 15, you know, that is over 10%. Uh, well, it's 15%. It's 15% of strikes <laughs> that are called balls. Um, he, he knew what a ball looked like 96% on that. So, uh, but he doesn't know what a strike looks like. He missed so many calls that were in the zone that, um, let's see, eight, eight of 54 called strikes were tr- actual balls and four of 110 called balls were true strikes. I, I feel like when you don't, when that's going on, Kyle's not getting his corners. Uh, and so he's not gonna, uh, he's got to come over the plate a lot more. And he was, and he mostly missed it like inside on lefties. Like I'm, I'm looking at it right here. His overall consistency was 91%. So he was 10% consistent and 93% accurate overall. So he's just, and it only favored uh 0.2 runs for Arizona, but on a day when the wind's blowing out and you're having trouble anyway, keeping the ball in the ballpark, it, we didn't need any help from you, Ryan Adaton. Yeah. And, Ryan uh, Adaton. Yeah, so it's just like, and I never heard of that guy before. So he he's probably new. I I would guess. I don't know how long he's been in the league, but I'd never heard of him before. But um, anyway, and I watch games every day, so it's like you usually have heard at least heard of some of these dudes. But yeah, not a great game for him, and uh, I think it probably affected the outcome of this game. Oh, I'm sure it did. I mean, Kyle Hendricks needs the zone to be called accurately in order to get any kind of advantage and this this did not help um i think i had heard that this guy had just gotten called up to that this was like an um, like an umpire debut or something although i thought that was weird because why would you put the up making his debut behind the plate i I don't actually know how all of that works so i don't want to i don't want to spread fake news or anything but um i'll look into it and see if there's any there there for the next episode the point is that this was not a great game for the Cubs there were a lot of long balls at Wrigley and and unfortunately uh kind of made it well I don't know Fergie day was still great but I feel like Fergie should have gotten a win on Fergie day and and he didn't and I felt kind of bad about that um the third game wasted another outstanding start from Justin Steele who went five innings and had nine strikeouts and looked awesome and the bullpen just couldn't get it done it was even the good bullpen David Robertson blew up this time. So the guy who has been getting it done all season just couldn't get it done in this particular instance. And I mean, we'll talk about other parts of this game in just a second, but man, if even David, we need David Robertson to be able to not blow saves for a bit because he's got to get traded for more prospects at the deadline. And that was... I don't know, man. The David Robertson blow up is something I could have done without. Danny, what did you see in this third game? Well, I saw David Robertson giving up three hits, two walks, and it only did result in one run. Uh, but yeah, it was it wasn't great. Um, he blew the save, uh, which the, the Diamondbacks did. It looked like the Cubs were going to win this one. They scored early in the game, and then allowed the Diamondbacks to come back late. And also, the bats died after the first two innings too. So it's just like we and they ended up just not being able to add on to that initial lead. It looked like we might be looking at one of those games that we saw earlier in the week when you're beating the, the Brewers nine to nothing and seven to nothing and all that stuff. And, and that's not what happened. David Robertson coming off the COVID IL, I believe. Yeah. Yep. So first start after the COVID IL. Yeah. So I'm, or I'm thinking game appearance, not a start. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean, uh, but yeah, he's, he's got a one eighty eight eighty eight on the season in 14.1 innings pitches whips under one. So, you know, I'm going to give him this outing, uh, you know, he, 
he's a good pitcher. He's done great for us. Uh, it just didn't work out in this one. And unfortunately being, I, I kind of, in some ways I blame the bats more in this one. Um, I don't know. It, 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 the, you had the, then you had the clown ball ending. The fact that this one goes into extras and you got the stupid runner on second, you lose the home field advantage. You're throwing Rowan Wick out there. It doesn't go your way. Um, then Norris had to come out. That didn't go that great either. He walked a guy too, but it's just like, uh, it, it felt like everything was set up against us. Like, I don't, I don't know what it, I, you, it was one of those games where you felt the momentum shift so much that it, you, it was just a palpable feeling of doom that happened as soon as Arizona went up and you felt that momentum shift going their way. And you're like, Oh man, this is, Oh, the, and then even the comeback, even the, the fake rally where we managed to score the two runs at the end. Uh, and, uh, who struck out it to end that? Was it Saya? No, that was yesterday. Um, I the la- you mean the last out of the game? The last out. Oh uh, yeah, it was no Saya. Yeah, Saya struck out swinging. Um, and it and he had a bad call in there as well. It you know it just felt like I don't know. It just felt like things were not going our way, and the wheels when the wheels fell off, like it was one of those. Uh, what's the saying? Um, uh, the snatching uh Vic. D- defeat, defeat from the, from the jaws, jaws of, of victory. victory. Yeah, that was that game. Yeah. We snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Could have had well, that one. And 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 I've been saying that a lot on this show, I feel. Like, that should have been ours. A couple of other notes from this game. Wilson Contreras asked to be removed from the game because he had hamstring tightness. Honestly, I'm glad that he did ask to be removed. He, he stole a base, and then when he was running to third on a half foul ball, he kind of reached back to grab his leg and just pulled himself out of the game. Wilson's dealt with hamstring issues before, so hopefully they just caught it early and they can do some treatment or whatever, and he'll take a couple of days off and be fine. That's all the news that we have on that right now. And then in bleacher drama news, um, somebody decided to show up at Wrigley Field ridiculously early and race to bleacher Jeff's seat in order to take bleacher Jeff's seat. And look, I... I've heard from people who think this is uh, general admission seating. Anybody can sit wherever they want. And I've heard from people who think it's a ridiculous, overblown thing on Twitter. And frankly, I need the Cubs to win more so we don't have the energy to talk about stuff like this. But let me just say a couple things here. One is, yes, it is true that the bleachers are general admission seating. And also, for the season ticket holders that get there like three or four hours before the game, every single game, They do, in fact, have places where they always sit, and the fans know it, the ushers know it, the Cubs players literally know it, and it is just, who? why would anybody show up super early just to take their seat? That is weird, and don't be a jerk. Well, I mean, I feel two ways about it. So you got the general admission thing, and Bleacher Jeff, like, he's the guitarist in my band. He's my neighbor. He lives right downstairs. So we go catch a lot of games together. He saves seats for me out there all the time. I'm an eternally late person and uh, to these games. like, And he's always like, are you coming? I can't hold this fort down any longer. So he's – but that guy – I guess what happened was they're on the way into the ballpark, and Jeff was there early before this guy even. But the when the gates opened, the the one line, the season ticket holder line, which this guy who quote unquote stole his seat, um, uh, he um, got into a different line, and 
you know, Jeff just ended up in a bad security line. So this guy's, you know, acting like, uh, you know, he's at airport security and take off your shoes and go into the back spattered thing. And uh, so this guy didn't like Jeff from before. So uh, because one time Jeff was holding seats and I think he was holding seats for me. Cause I waltzed in and I remember there was a guy behind who was like, give me dirty looks. I was like, all right, who's this guy giving me dirty looks? Like, I don't know. He was sitting there with some woman and I would try to be nice to him, but he like kind of scowled at me and I didn't pay him any attention. So in any way, it was the same guy. He didn't like the fact that Jeff had held a row of seats by with other people, by the way, it's not just him holding a bunch of seats. He held it with our friend Bleacher Tony and Bleacher Brad and Wally, who sits on the other side, who ended up getting the morel ball the other night. And, you know, there's lots of people that hold for each other um, just so we can all sit together because it's a crew that sits out there. I think that's what the Bleachers is all about. You have your friends. You have the social setting um, of the regulars. We all know each other. We all support each other. And we held each other's seats for each other. This guy could have been a part of that. He could have, if he would have come down and been like, Oh, Hey, you're bleacher Jeff, right? Yeah. But um, no, he's, he decided that he's going to be, he's going to race Jeff to the seat and get there first. But the funniest part about it is that, so bleacher Jeff gets there and he's like, Hey buddy, you know, I always sit here. Um, can I buy you a beer and you, and you and your girlfriend a beer? And maybe you just sit right behind me. It's like, I really, you know, I'm friends with the players and, and, as ridiculous as I know this sounds, and I would never be this person, like I don't have a need to sit in the same place every day like some people do at Wrigley Field. Um, uh, it is part of what people do there, uh, is have their regular place. So um, it's not my thing, but this guy did it on purpose to screw with Jeff because he didn't like him from the day that he held the seats for me and some other people. So he chose violence and then he sat there all the way through the rain delay. That's the funniest part. With the poncho on, which I respect. It rained for like two hours. (laughs) I know. And he did not get up to get a beer or a hot dog or to pee or do anything. He just sat there with his girlfriend uh, for seven hours straight. And to me, you got it. You got to respect that hustle. Right there. I mean, that is some, you know, so I I don't, I'm not going to pick a side here really. Or I mean, I've kind of see both sides of it. If that guy wants to do that, that's the bleachers general admission. You run up there and your season ticket holder and you get that seat you want. You can take it all you want. It's all yours. Bleacher Jeff does not have a seat at Wrigley Field. And so for him to call it my seat, I object. So (laughs) it's not your seat. So that is a general admission seat that you have to show up early at the ballpark to get. Otherwise, somebody may take it. And uh, that's just how it works. And uh, you've got to you got to pay to play or play to – yeah, pay to play. That's how it works. But, uh, but yeah, the whole thing's ridiculous. Really, what is the worst thing about it is Cubs Twitter, <laughs> which imploded completely imploded. about it. Totally, totally imploded. imploded. And it won't be the first time this year, I guarantee that. So just get ready for <laughs> a hot Twitter summer. Yeah, something's going to be hot in Wrigleyville. It's not going to be this baseball team. The Cubs did win the fourth game of this series, which, frankly, I thought they were not going to do. They were behind, but then Schwizdom back-to-back again for the second day in a row. This time it worked. I mean, that was great. Wade Miley had another solid start. The Cubs take a victory into a four-game series with the Reds. Um, 
I don't know, man, you would like to see this team win more than one game out of four against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but that is where we are at this point in the season. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that was disappointing, especially when the first two uh, with shutouts uh, against the pirates, mind you, but still uh, they've got some bright young players, Uh, diamondbacks. I believe they were in last place before they showed up. Maybe the Rockies are now. Um, So yeah, that's pretty frustrating. I know they're in a tough division, but Hey, uh, it's, and especially because we had just beat them at their own ballpark. So I guess a little payback Cubs play like crap at home. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. I don't don't understand it either. Al has done a little bit of a dive into the numbers here. And I actually think it's got to just be small sample stuff, but for whatever reason, this Cubs team has been better in night games and they have been better on the road, which is not the normal way the Cubs play. The Cubs are normally better in day games at Wrigley and it what what can I say? It's bizarro baseball season, Danny. Yeah, I mean, but once again, we're looking at a high priced ticket for the Cubs and uh, high priced beer and stuff. So if just kind of all year, the Cubs are basically a decent road team and a bad home team. Like this does not bode well for the vibes of the Wrigley field bleachers. I mean, it's not even hot yet. Just wait till it gets hot and they're, and it's, and it's 10 to six. (laughs) Just just wait till then. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just going to spend a lot of time in the grandstand. uh, That's my my plan. I'm going to, I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal bleacher Jeff's seat every day is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get there for the morning. I'm going to be ahead of Al Yellen. He'll he'll be like, what are you, I know. No, four in the morning, I'll be out there. (laughs) If you were to start showing up at four o'clock in the morning, I think Al would start showing up at three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) I think I think you're right, too. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was just a joke. Yeah, we go to break now. Now that I've told my joke. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we're going to talk about some news and notes from around the league, including why all of Cubs Nation was cheering for the White Sox against the Yankees last night. And then we will also look ahead to this Reds and Cubs series that is kicking off on Monday night in Cincinnati. But first, a quick break. All right, we're back. I'm going to start with the news that is lighthearted. Yadier Molina pitched. He gave up bombs. Uh, can we all just admit that the card when the Cardinals do the position player pitching thing, they're not nearly as good at it as Ben Zobrist or Anthony Rizzo and the Chicago Cubs. And so sad for the Cardinals that they're just not good at it. <laughs> Oh, I, nothing makes me sad for the Cardinals. They won that game eighteen to four, and once again, the the Pirates should be the team that is. I know this is a quote unquote unwritten rule of it, but the Pirates are the ones that are losing by fourteen. They uh, see they had oh they had, well they had Josh Van Meter pitch fine. That is totally fine. Is their position player that's going to come into this game and pitch? Um, but the, the Cardinals shouldn't be allowed to do that. They shouldn't be, Oh, we want to save our bullpen. No, they, you got to throw your 13th guy out there. I don't care. Uh, that's just, it's bad form, just bad form. If you're winning that much, you shouldn't be showing up guys. I, I know I've made this case on the show before, but I feel like that should be an unwritten rule that, that should, I don't know. That's just, that's how I feel about it. I'm all for burning down the unwritten rules generally. Um, I do agree with you that the Cardinals have taken this position player thing and they're doing it wrong, but I'm more just happy that 
they keep giving up bombs and they're not very good at this. So they can't say, oh, Yadier Molina is the best pitcher ever like we could do uh, back in the day when Anthony Rizzo, who still has a 0.0 ERA with the Chicago Cubs and will forever. Um, Does I have a question did, for you. So that was great. I have a question for you. Do you know how everybody makes fun of Molina's war? Like being the same as like Jason Kendall's or something like that or something like average yeah, it career. Is in fact Kendall. Yeah. So, uh, but the, I have a question like him currently having a 36 ERA and giving up two home runs. Does that hurt his war? Cause it's got to, right? Uh, not really, because I don't think that pitcher war gets calculated into position player values quite the same way. Like oh, each yeah. posi- one of the things about war that is kind of weird, well, it's not weird, but it's uh, a little complicated is that different positions have different calculations and different, um, they have different difficulty metrics on war right so like it's harder to be a shortstop than it is to be a first baseman so this is part of the reason that war isn't actually even that great of a reference for a player like Shohei Otani because it's not built for players that can both pitch and play in the field all of the time it doesn't really accurately capture that two-way player thing um and so for a player like Yachty who comes in for one inning and gets three outs that's not going to impact his war um in any meaningful way well, that's too bad. <laughs> Sorry, Danny. <laughs> it's not going to keep Yadier Molina out of the Hall of Fame that he gave up a bunch of home runs. I know. But that'd be great. <laughs> They're like voting on him in the, the baseball writers. Well, he did give up four home runs in that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to matter at all. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about something a little bit more serious than Yadier Molina and his chances to get into or stay out of the Hall of Fame, Danny. And so I'm just going to ask you what you thought of this whole Josh Donaldson, Tim Anderson situation, which frankly, I think Josh Donaldson's abhorrent, but I'll toss it to you. Um, if Tony La Russa calls you a racist, you're a racist. And I can't put it any more uh, simply than that. Um, there's, everybody can look into the context of, and just, I'll give a little backstory in case people don't know, is that, um, Tim Anderson had compared himself to Jackie Robinson. He didn't call himself Jackie Robinson. He didn't say, I'm the new Jackie. He didn't say that. He kind of was just like, I am inspired by somebody like Jackie Robinson. And I feel like a trailblazer like Jackie Robinson. I feel like I'm on a path of Jackie Robinson's path, um, inspiring young black uh, boys and girls to play baseball and uh, being uh, a a strong um, influence and role model in the community. That's what he meant. for Josh Donaldson to at uh, nickname Tim Anderson Jackie, and then he's like, "What? He likes it. It's fine. I always call him Jackie. It's fine." No, Tim Anderson just doesn't have the freaking energy to fight you all the time, Josh Donaldson, and constantly because c- then who looks like the problem, quote unquote, is uh, Tim Anderson, and everybody will blame him. And it's amazing how many people have come to Josh Donaldson's defense being, oh, it's not racist. It's a Jackie Robinson is a compliment. No, if Tim Anderson thinks it's racist, it's racist. And if definitely if Tony La Russa, of all people, Tony La Russa, um, who doesn't have the most stellar track record, I might add, um, is standing up for his player and calling it out. Well, then you'd, we definitely have a problem here. So, um you know, the whole thing, I'm not even going to call it unfortunate. I just think Josh Donaldson is a jerk because the way Tim Anderson called himself, Jackie, 
uh, or compared himself to Jackie Robinson. And the reason Josh Donaldson has been using it are different reasons. And um, if you can't see that, I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's using it as an insult. If he's like, okay, Jackie, that's an insulting way to do it. He wasn't being nice about it. He was starting a fight. So uh, what aren't you getting? He meant it as an, as an insult. He meant to bring Tim Anderson down a peg. That's what he's doing with it. So I loved the way J- Liam Hendricks um, called Josh Donaldson delusional. And he stood up for his teammate. I mean, I'm not a Sox fan at all. I'm, you know, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm an old school Cubs fan in the fact that like, you can't like both, but this was ridiculous. And um, I'm glad it's being investigated. I'm really glad that um, that they're talking about, like I heard, go listen to Matt, um, Doug Glanville on uh, Hit and Run uh, with uh, Matt Spiegel. He released it as a podcast today. It was on yesterday. And uh, it was Doug, again, you know, he talked to us a couple of years ago when we did John Baker Day uh, in 2020. Uh, he came on our show and he talked about a lot of his experiences as uh, dealing with race in baseball. He tells a few, he tells some of those same stories he told us on that show uh, back in 2020. And then Doug uh, goes out to tell a few more stories uh, about how it feels to be a black man in a largely white, wealthy sport. And uh, at the, uh, I hope Josh Donaldson gets some sort of uh, punishment and I hope people can be a little bit more um, understanding of where Tim Anderson's coming from because it ain't cool. And Josh Donaldson, he's been a jerk for years. He has been, he's a known jerk, you know? And so like, how are we giving this guy the benefit of the doubt that he's, yeah. oh, well, this time he's just, he's just kidding. Oh, he's fine. You know, he likes it. No, he doesn't. He told you he didn't like it. And then you just still don't even care. And he won't even apologize. So like, screw you, Josh Donaldson. I can't wait. I, I didn't, the Yankees already came to Chicago, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They, the Damn Yankees it. and White Sox already played a bunch back-to-back. A couple of things I want to say here. One, um, there's a really good piece from James Fagan over at The Athletic looking at the context between what's been going on with the White Sox and Josh Donaldson for years. Apparently, Josh Donaldson got into it with Lucas Giolito in the parking lot after a game when he was a member of the Twins. Like, he has been trying to, like, get under people's skin for a while now, and he's sort of a known troll. But, like there is one it's one thing to be a troll and to be the dude who's trying to get under people's skin and it's another thing to invent uh a situation where you think you and tim anderson are like joking around and having a good old time where your way of joking quote unquote joking around with somebody is to use let's be honest a racist term to talk to them like hey hey jackie is not a that's not an inside joke that is you being a jerk to somebody in a way that is has obvious racial implications and like you said at the at the top this is tony la Russa can see it like tony la Russa is not exactly woke people like he is probably the <laughs> least woke of the people <laughs> in major league baseball and he point blank said something racist was said that was it i, I want to say a cup the last couple of things i'll say here and I hate talking about this. It's just, it is hard to talk about. It's not one of those things that I imagine anybody wants to talk about. We want to watch baseball and we want to watch people do great things. And and players should not say racist things to other 
players. Eduardo Perez on the uh, Sunday Night Baseball broadcast said that he thought it needed to be a big suspension, that he thought it should land on the commissioner's desk and it should be not just a game or two, like it should be something that makes a statement. And I truly agree with that. Like I think that there should be no place in Major League Baseball for players to be saying racially charged things to other players. Like that is shenanigans. It's words that I don't normally say on this podcast. I'm struggling at the moment because I really want to drop a bunch of swear words right now. (laughs) And I try not to do that on this particular show. Yeah. Well, Um, I can understand you're angry and you should be. This should make us all Tim Anderson should be angry. Like Tim Anderson was angry. And like, I just, let's, let's try to like end this particular commentary uh, in on a high note, Tim Anderson got his revenge. Like the fans at Yankee stadiums were being the jerks that they were. And they were all booing him and yelling, Hey Jackie at him during the game. And he walked them off. Like he hit a home run that gave the white Sox the lead. And that was, that was it. So like good Tim Anderson got the last word shushing the Yankees fans as he went around the bases. That was brilliant. And I'm glad that happened. Yes. Monty Grandal is a good guy for trying to talk to Josh Donaldson and say, Hey, what you said wasn't cool. And good on Yasmani Grandal for not letting Josh Donaldson just like take this out to some private conversation somewhere Good on Liam Hendricks for calling a spade a spade. Good on Tony LaRussa. Whoever thought that they would see the day where I give Tony LaRussa props on this podcast, but I'm going to right now because frankly, yeah. Tony LaRussa was right. It was a racist thing to say and it was terrible. And I hope Josh Donaldson has a long suspension coming. And if he doesn't, MLB has more problems to answer for than I care to admit. And I hope that we don't see that path. Yeah. Well, I mean, it all depends whether they like him or not, because that's how this all usually works is like, do they, if, if they, if they like Josh Donaldson, he'll get a slap on the wrist. If they are sick of Josh Donaldson and they want to prove a point against Josh Donaldson, they'll suspend him a long time. So, um, yeah. And just the, the, the zero amount of understanding and contriteness and anything. But uh, the one thing I will say that you, if we want to end this on a positive note, please go listen to the Matt Spiegel uh, conversation with Doug Glanville. I, I, I feel so bad for Doug because every time something like this happens, they call him and he's got to be like the spokesman for everything that happens in this way. And uh, you know, that's unfair to Doug, quite frankly, you know, cause he's a, a broadcaster. Like he shouldn't have to be like dealing with this all the time either, you know, let him do his job. But he goes on there and he says, these moments are opportunities to create healing and understanding and he's taking the high road i don't know that i would and um uh you know god bless that man because he is really doing amazing work he's an ivy league educated athlete who had a great major league career so he he's been on both sides of it he writes for the new york times he's a multi-talented individual and um he can speak about all this stuff with a lot of patience that I don't know that I would have. And so, um, you know, for Doug to still be searching for um, healing and continuing after all the crap that even he's gone through personally to continue to be like, okay, here's another one. Let's promote healing, (laughs) you know, good for him. And it, it should be for all of us to be listening, listen, 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 and listen. Uh, I know I've talked a lot, 
But I think uh, what I have been doing, at least on the Twitter, I'm not tweeting about it or anything because I don't think it's my place to tweet about um, or to talk about, really. But um, I I will say that um, we got to take these moments and do better. I just I agree with you. Doug Glanville does a great job and he always has wise things to say here. And he's always so he's always the person that people go to for all of these circumstances. And I. I just wish baseball could be good enough that Doug Glanville didn't have to be that person for baseball. Um, you know, like I, I don't know if you saw this, but Cameron Mabin, who has been doing some work with Marquis, he had, he had some criticism of how the MLB tonight discussion of this went down. He felt like the only person who really got it was Pedro Martinez. And, and it's not an accident that the person who got it is a person of color, not a per- not the white dudes on the panel. Um, it's not an accident that Eduardo Perez was the guy on Sunday Night Baseball who really seemed to get it and not the white dudes on the panel. And it's just one of these things where I'm, it's just so exhausting that it always has, like Doug Glanville always has to come in and be the voice of reason because he's the person, he shouldn't have to. He shouldn't yeah. have to. Grown men should know better than to be racist jerks to their colleagues and teammates. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we could leave that there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's up for we Let's just get, let's just get better. Everybody let's move this world forward. Come on now. (laughs) Sick of this crap. (laughs) You know, Yeah, really, really am. It's, uh, it's, it's sad. I'm sick of the Josh Donaldson's of the world. I really am sick of you guys. Oh, just joking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. Totally. Um, all right. Let's move to this Cubs Red Series. Uh, wash our hands of the Yankees, at least until the Cubs have to play them in forever. A, in a couple <laughs> of months. Uh, the Cubs are going to open a four game series against the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati on Monday night. The probable pitchers for the Cubs are Drew Smiley, Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, and Justin Steele. The probable pitchers for the Reds are uh, hold. I just forgot Gutierrez's name. That's how. That's how. The Vlad, Reds, Vlad. Vlad. Vlad Gutierrez. Thank you, uh, Vladimir Gutierrez, uh, Tyler Maley, Luis Castillo, and Hunter Green. And like, can we pause and reflect on the fact that this is the first time there's been no TBD on this schedule for a few series now? Like, I think that's a miracle in and of itself. Oh yeah, we were cutting it close for a moment there too because it was TBD all the way till Sunday night for game one until they finally decided to sacrifice uh, Mr. Vladimir Gutierrez uh, to the situation. Um, My friend Billy DeVore of the new Nasty Boys podcast came on the Sun Ranto show last night and uh, kind of he predicted that uh, Vladimir Gutierrez with his eight something ERA is just going to get killed by us. And um, I kind of feel like he's right. I hope he's right, but I, I I don't hold that much hope. I feel like the Cubs, the Cubs don't win the games that they're supposed to win like that. Like it, or at least they haven't been recently. Um, Danny, what do you see outside of that first matchup between Yateras and Smiley tonight? Anything jump out at you here? I've noticed that the Cubs have struggled against Luis Castillo in the past. I'm excited to see what Hunter Green brings to the table. This is the kid that throws 102 that managed to keep the Pirates, uh, managed to basically no hit the Pirates for eight innings, but because of a couple of walks and uh, fielder's choice, wound up losing a no hit bid. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, poor, uh, I mean, that's just the red season right there. Hey, we're throwing a no hitter. Hey, we lost. <laughs> you know, it's, it cracks me up. I mean, it's that kind of uh, comically bad. At least we're not there yet 
as Cub fans. Like we were there in 2012, 2013. I saw those games, but uh, yeah, that's pretty rough. Um, uh, yeah, I actually feel a little bit differently about the Castillo situation. I know there was that one year that he really, I mean, he really pitched well and he seemed to have our number, but I love, and I know you're a big Wilson Contreras fan, so you'll love this. Um, he's seven for 15 against Luis Castillo. He's got three doubles in a home run. Also taken two walks and only struck out three times in 18 plate appearances. That's good for a slash line of 467, 556, 867 slugging. And so that's a 1422 OPS. Um, Ian Happ hits him well. Jason Hayward even hits him well. I don't even know if we're ever going to see Jason Hayward play again. I don't know. Um, but uh, even he's got two dogs off of him. So I like us against Castillo. That's game three. It's Tyler Molly, Mally, or however you say it, that I'm scared of. He's the one that carves us up, which is weird. You, yeah, you, you it's funny. I just realized how many ways there are to say Mailey, Mally, Molly. Like I, and now I, now I have no idea how you're supposed to pronounce that guy's name. So we'll just call him Tyler. Uh, you know, interesting. I don't know, man. Like great American ballpark is kind of a band box. It's one of those places where you can get a lot of hits if you're feeling it. And if, if everything's moving just right and neither the Cubs nor the Reds have particularly great pitching, at this moment in time, but they also have a bunch of guys who have been struggling at the plate. So this could just be one of those series where like the least inept team winds up winning it. That sounds about now that I agree with 100%. And I'm also excited to see uh Hunter green because the guy dials it up and that's the Thursday matchup versus Justin Steele. So you got a couple really young, uh, almost rookies on the, well, Hunter green is a rookie and Steele. This is only his, his second year. Um, is he technically a rookie though? Still, I don't think so because he was up Steele. alone. Yeah, I don't think so, but I can. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it was last year, but um, yeah. So Steele building on those really good out- outings that he's had with all the strikeouts. Hunter Green with all those uh, that the speed that he throws and the almost no hitter. He's got a five forty nine earned run average. He's only one in six, but you can blame that mostly on the Reds. Just in general ineptitude, I think. And you're hoping that Hendo bounces back from that last start, but I'm not real. uh, I'm not real confident about Hendo here because uh, he's got a ERA over five at great American five seventy five. It's almost six. And that's no small sample size. That's 67 innings pitched. So that's, that's a lot of, that's like seven games or more. (laughs) That's yeah. So, yeah, I I don't know. I I bet you we split it. I bet you we split it, and then it'll just be yeah a battle of attrition, and we'll see what happens. It's two bad teams. I mean, we got to beat the Reds if we want to have any fear of not coming into last place. And the Reds are they've they've been winning lately. Yeah, they have been winning lately, and they've got a couple of hot hitters. In fact, I hate to break it to you, Cubs fans, they have more hot hitters at the moment. Then the Cubs do uh, Brandon Drury. Yes, that Brandon Drury, the one that you thought maybe like you thought might have been good a few years ago. And then whatever happened to that guy? Well, he's back. He's playing on the Reds and he is red hot right now. He's got a WRC plus of 151 in May. Mike Moustakis has a WRC plus of 142. Tyler Stevenson has a WRC plus of 140. And Tyler Naquin. God, there's a lot, of, a lot of Tyler's in this podcast. Uh, I know. WRC For- plus of 137. The Reds have some hot hitters at the moment, Danny. What, are the, what do I think of the Reds' hot hitters? I think that they're not all that hot because they're the Reds' 
the Reds hot hitters, not the Dodgers hot hitters. And uh, I think they're all uh, get out of both. Still, they, they still got uh, Mr. Joey Votto, of course. And um, I don't know. How is how What kind of year is Joey Votto having right now? Yeah, I have a very good one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they've, they've got, I mean, you know, it's the Reds, it's the band box, but uh, they are so, and maybe they're coming out of it now because they've been winning again. But um, I mean, it's they're so sad right now. Ever since that uh, their owner made that, well, or the who was it that made those comments about the owner's son? Yeah. And so uh, they've they're taking out billboards in town against this guy. The morale is so low in Cincinnati. Nobody's going to the baseball games. I feel like that that anybody with any talent on this team is hoping to get traded at the deadline and flip for something. Um, you know, this is just, this is the Reds of 2016. And it's funny that they kind of had a little bit of a hump in 2020. They went for it in 2020 with Castellanos and then they just, and well, right before the season, they just blew up their entire team. And then the owner's like, well, where are you going to go? We can't do nothing about it. And it's just like, that is just a recipe for a disastrous season. Um, you know, they might lose more games than the Orioles this year. Their Cubs only might hope. lose more games than both of them, Danny. Uh, one of the things that uh, no- jumped out to me as I was looking at WRC pluses for this Cubs team in May, there is... Oh, there are only two guys who are over 100. Uh, Patrick Wisdom is at 106, and Wilson Contreras is at 163. Wilson Contreras may or may not play in the series uh, because of that hamstring tightness. So I don't know, Danny. Somebody other than Wilson or Wisdom is going to have to hit if they want to win any of these games. Well, plus, I mean, a guy gets hot like Wisdom, and it doesn't last forever. He hits three home runs over the weekend, and then, you know, at some point he's going to can't hit home runs every day. <laughs> Why does he break records? Um, well, he did last year with the rookie record, but, uh, you know, you look at, you look up and down the Cubs night lineup and unless they're stringing hits together, they're not that scary. You only have a, even Ian Happ isn't hitting the ball out of the park this year. And maybe he's trying to change his approach at the plate. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a scary lineup. I feel like they do have some talent on their team. If you look up and down, you know, Jesse Winker and guys like that, you know, even though they're underperforming Joey Votto is 38 and not doing great. I mean, you, but they still have a little bit more. That team's got a little bit more pedigree. I mean, Mike Moustakis is, is he's on the team, right? Yeah. Mike Moustakis is one of the guys with a WRC plus over 140. Yeah. So I, you're looking at that and you know, you're like, well, <laughs> they're not that bad. Uh, Colin Moran is on this team. Uh, he's never been great, but, Hey, you know, he, he's, we've seen him a lot. He's a veteran bat. He was with the pirates all those years. Tyler Naquin has had, he's, he has had some time. Tommy Pham has killed the Cubs in the past. I mean, you, you know, this is not, this is not a bunch of no names that they're throwing at us. No, well, it's not. Albert yeah, Almora is on the team. <laughs> oh, hey, old friend Albert Almora. Who did not make the trip to? They're just coming back from Toronto, and Albert Almora did not not make the trip because he has is unvaccinated, as is uh, Tyler Molly and Brandon Drury. And uh, Brandon Drury. Yeah. If any of these unvaccinated players wind up surging because of their time off from their 
uh, not being able to go to Toronto. We will talk about it on the next episode. Until then, Danny, where can people find you? Well, I'll be on the Sun Ranto show on uh, Thursday night. We'll be recapping this whole thing with a very funny comedian from the new Nasty Boys podcast. Uh, his uh, name is Billy DeVore. And uh, he's a big Reds fan, very funny guy. And we'll have him on at 7 o'clock Central on Sun Ranto. So you might want to check that out because uh, he knows more about these terrible Reds than I do. <laughs> so let him tell us. Yeah. and if you care. I will definitely be listening to that. Um, until then, you can find my thoughts on this series and other things that are going on on baseball on my social media at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find anything that Danny and I are talking about on this podcast on the podcast Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. Uh, and we will be back after four games in Cincinnati. Until next time.